This message comes from NPR sponsor Ostrakhan Films with Lost Girls and Love Hotels, starring Alexandra Daddario. A troubled American English teacher explores love and lust on a journey through Tokyo's dive bars and love hotels. Available digitally and on demand now. Ever get to Friday, look back on the week, and say to yourself, what just happened? I'm Sam Sanders. Check out my podcast, It's Been a Minute, where every Friday we catch up on the news and the culture of the week and try to make sense of it all. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Ophira. So today on Ask Me Another, our special guest is astronaut Chris Hadfield. So astronaut speed round. Oh, boy. Who was the first woman in space? That was the Russian cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova. That is correct. What did the U.S. astronaut Alan Shepard smuggle onto the moon? He brought golf balls. That's right, exactly. And in addition to being the first Canadian to walk in space, what else did Chris Hadfield accomplish that day? He became the first Canadian to say, I'm sorry, in a vacuum. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We are back in Washington, D.C. on a trip that Politico has already called a strategic blunder. We have a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are backstage leaking puzzle secrets, and they are here to play our nerdy games. Only one, though, will be our big winner. And our special guest is a real live astronaut. It's Colonel Chris Hadfield. He was the first Canadian to command the International Space Station, Canada, the second most popular place Americans talk about moving to after space. Our first two contestants will play a word game where they'll get to change something without having to call their representatives. Let's meet them. First up, Heather Hurley on buzzer number one. You work at the Library of Congress Copyright Office, which is your dream job. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Your opponent is Paul Nicholson on buzzer number two. You work in web development for the Library of Congress websites. Welcome. Thank you. Heather and Paul, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. This is a word game called Paradigm Shift. We've completely altered the premise of some movies and TV shows simply by changing one letter in the title. Let's go to Jonathan Colton for an example. So if we said, in this HBO comedy, Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays someone who cries all the time, you would answer, weep, changing the V in veep to a W. Very easy, ring into answer, and here we go. Kumail Nanjiani's relationship is put to the test when he meets a woman who's deathly afraid of insects that carry Lyme disease. Heather. The big tick. That is correct. Yes, well done. Gal Gadot stars in this film about a superhero who is really far away. Paul. Uh, Wonder Woman is far away, so she's mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. She wanders oh, far away. Very Ooh, interesting. Good. I have to go to the judges on this one. Puzzle yeah. guru Art Chung, what say ye? Ye say we were looking for a yonder woman, but we'll give that to you. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Paul. You've already broken the game. That was the goal. <laughs> that was great. Tina Fey executive produces this sitcom about an eccentric team that assembles really good church seats. Heather. Great pews. Exactly. Great news becomes great pews. I'd go to church more often if it had massage chairs. Yeah, why don't they do that? Recliners. Make them really nice. A little cup holder for mm-hmm. your blood of Christ. For your whiskey. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you're supposed to linger over no? it like that. On this ABC show, Freddie Highmore stars as Sean Murphy, a surgeon for marionettes, armoires, and peg legs infested with termites. Heather. The Wood Doctor. That's right, the good doctor, the Wood Doctor. 
This Guillermo del Toro film received 13 Oscar nominations, unexpected for a movie about an animated tow truck voiced by Larry the Cable Guy. It's a stumper. All right, Puzzleger Archung, do you have a hint for them? Sure, the movie stars Sally Hawkins and Michael Shannon, and the Larry the Cable Guy movie was Cars. It's pretty good. Heather. Is it the shape of Mater? Yeah, it's exactly that. You got her done. <laughs> this is your last clue. I see dead people. I saw dead people. I will see dead people. I have seen dead people. I had seen dead people. I will have been seeing dead people. Heather. The sixth tense. That is correct. You were conjugating the whole time! <laughs> Puzzleguru Archung, how did our contestants do? Heather, well done. You're one step closer to our final round. In our next game, we'll explore Washington, D.C.'s National Mall. How great could it really be that it doesn't even have a Forever 21? But first, let's check in with our contestants. Heather, you are a huge traveler. You've been to every continent except for South America and Antarctica. You were recently in New Zealand? Yes. And you made the whole group go for ice cream every day? I did because ice cream is a priority to me. Even in a country where there are amazing things to see, and New Zealand is full of amazing things. Yeah. But I'm from Wisconsin originally, and it's in the contract. You've got to put priority on your dairy. Yeah. And so I made sure every afternoon that we stopped and got ice cream. How is the ice cream in the various cities in New Zealand? Like all ice cream, it is delicious. It's perfect. Well done. Paul, you have a hard rule against Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank it's you important. For that. But you bent your own rule for your own wedding in September. Yeah, which was a mistake. It was a mistake? Yeah, it was a, it was a bad idea. I, uh, I... The wedding or the song choice? <laughs> well, my husband's right over there, so we'll just say the song choice. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I was out of the hall when All I Want for Christmas is You, the best song, came on. And so I ran into the hall and did a flying leap into the room and cracked my head on the door jam. So uh, my wedding ended with me getting a couple stitches in the emergency room. <laughs> Plus side, the wedding was at a firehouse, so all the bartenders were hot, hunky firemen EMTs. So silver lining. Indeed, so we arrived in D.C. a little early, so we saw some sights and prepared an audio quiz for you called The Tourist Guide to Washington, D.C. We're going to play a clip of a real tourist describing a famous D.C. location. <laughs> you just have to ring in and tell me where they are. Now, Heather, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're in the final round. Paul, you need to win this, or you're going to spend the rest of your weekend reading angry online reviews of D.C. attractions, such as this one for the Hirschhorn Museum, more like Craphorn, one star. Here's your first clip. Hi, my name is Nelson Kim. I'm from Brazil. I'm standing in front of one of the most well-known symbols uh, of this capital. Somehow it looks a little bit like a, like a missile. <laughs> Heather. Washington Monument? That is correct. Yeah. He had another description of how it looked like, but we had to cut it out. This next tourist is from really far away. My name is Georgie Kempton, and I am from Sydney, Australia. Every person on the face of the planet has seen photos of this memorial and of the uh, key part of this memorial. Um, but even so, you do still kind of feel dwarfed because the person who the statue is of is a giant. Paul. The Lincoln Memorial. You got it. That is correct. We headed indoors for our next clip. Uh, my name is Vinny Tortorella, and I'm from uh, a little town called Sugarland, Texas. Seems to be a lot of books all over the place. 
Over to my left, there's a Gutenberg Bible, which is the first one ever printed with a printing press. So the place would have to be pretty special for that to be in. Paul. Library of Congress. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hotshot. How about the building? Uh, That would probably be the Jefferson Building. All right. Yes, indeed. Next up, we talk to two kids. First, you're going to hear Claire Raymond. She's 10 years old, and then her brother Colin, who is eight, visiting from Seattle, and they are looking at a rare non-human statue. It's Fala, and um, Fala was the president's dog. And Colin says that this is the only presidential statue with a dog in it. I think it must have been bronze, because Fala doesn't look green. Smart kid. Heather? FDR Memorial. That is correct. Yes, indeed. With Fala, the Scottish Terrier. Let's hear your next clip. Hello, my name is uh, Przemysław Wiatr, and I'm from Poland. I'm here for uh, business and sightseeing at the same time. Well, you know, like everything in the U.S., it's bigger than I expected it to be. (laughs) A big, wide building, but you have a lot of big, wide buildings in Washington, D.C., Okay, and the building, it says, equal justice under law. Heather. The Supreme Court. Yes, indeed, the Supreme Court. I thought it was interesting to know that there is a basketball court in the Supreme Court building known as the highest court in the land. (laughs) On to your next destination. I'm Ellie Bieber, and I'm from Boca Raton, Florida. I'm standing in front of a huge building, white, and looks like a giant boob. Paul. Uh, the Jefferson Memorial? Jefferson Monument? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, I couldn't hear. <laughs> Heather, can you steal? Is it the U.S. Capitol? It is the U.S. Capitol, yes. What he said was a huge building white and it looks like a giant boob. Oh, then I did hear correctly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Here's your last clue. Finally, this is Jason McKnight from Detroit who found himself in D.C. unexpectedly. Yeah, I'm in D.C. because my truck broke down. (laughs) We are here where one of the greatest civil rights leaders ever, one of his favorite speeches, I Have a Dream. Paul. Uh, Martin Luther King Memorial. That is correct, yes. All right, Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? It was a close game, but congratulations, Heather. You won both games and you're moving on to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Heather in our final round, and we'll talk to astronaut Chris Hadfield and ask him to give us one good reason he decided to come back to Earth. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Vitas Healthcare. An open formulary ensures that hospice patients can continue to receive evidence-based therapies that address their end-of-life symptoms and improve their quality of life. Vitas delivers needed medications and supplies for end-of-life care directly to their patients, making certain that their patients have what they need, when and where they need it. For more information on how Vitas can help you and your patient or resident, go to vitas.com slash advantage. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Barracuda Total Email Protection. According to the FBI, last year, cybercrime cost businesses and individuals $3.5 billion. Know the signs of spear phishing, conversation hijacking, and account takeover. Download a new ebook from Barracuda called 13 Email Threat Types to Know About Right Now. To protect your business and your remote teams, get a free copy at barracuda.com NPR. Barracuda, your journey secured. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Archung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. He was the commander of the International Space Station. Please welcome Chris Hadfield. Chris, welcome to Ask Me Another. 
I'm glad to be here. Yes, Thank you I'm very glad much. To have you. Thanks. You are the first Canadian to command the International Space Station. It's true. Your last mission was five months long, mm-hmm. and it was about five years ago now. That's all correct. Okay, so right when you come off of a mission, uh, where what state is your body in? Uh, confused. Really, really <laughs> yeah. confused. You can't balance. You don't inherently know which way up is. If you stand up, your body has forgotten that your blood has weight. So, so it, it doesn't push it all the way up to your head, so you faint. So we actually wear, like, uh, spanks when we get back, so that it's squeezing the bottom of you the whole time to get the blood up to your head. Yeah. Um, and then it takes some things, you get back in a couple days, you feel okay. About a month, you feel normal. Took about four months for running to feel right, but a year and a half to grow my skeleton back. To <laughs> I can't just let that go. Grow your skeleton back? <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, I had a skeleton. It was just brittle. We've actually had a couple astronauts fall and break their hip within a few months of getting back, so we're careful. And uh, when you first get to space, they, they have a look at how your body's adapting to being weightless. And so they want all your body fluids when you get there. They collect your urine when you first... And that's something else you probably want to ask about. But they, they collect... Um, <laughs> they, what we found is the first time you pee in space, your urine is already... Uh, full of, the, of your skeleton, of the minerals and calcium that's in your skeleton. Your body senses right away that it doesn't need to build this heavy skeleton to fight gravity if right. there isn't any. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Wow. So you're a kid, you're 10 years old, and maybe like a lot of kids, you were inspired and you were like, I want to be an astronaut. Yep. At what point in your life did you find yourself saying, oh my goodness, I'm really going to be an astronaut? I decided when I was nine to try and turn myself into one, but it's so far in the future, especially if you're Canadian. It's like, <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, Canadians, we watch people fly in space. We don't fly in space. And, um, but I thought, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to work on it, but I'm never going to count on it. And so, in fact, even though you're pursuing it, and even when one day you get the phone call from the president of the Canadian Space Agency saying, would you like to be an astronaut, you still think it's sort of a trick. And you never actually allow yourself to believe that you're going to be an astronaut until you've gotten into the rocket and the engines have worked and they blast you into space and the engine shut off. And you look around and you go, I am here. This is for real. I am an astronaut right now. It's pretty cool. So do you miss space? Uh, no. I, I uh, No. I mean, I, I loved the experience. It was great. I served as an astronaut for 21 years. Great, fascinating. I couldn't get up early enough every single day. It's a really interesting, challenging job. But I, I don't spend a lot of time missing stuff. You know, yeah. I just, I, I'm really interested in what's going on right now. Like, uh, there's this three-part rocket that's the biggest rocket in the world that is um, big enough to take things and people to Mars. That's going on. The Chinese are landing <laughs> something on the far side of the moon this year that is not only to try and understand that part of the universe, but they're landing life. A little capsule that has silkworm and, and a potato in there. I think they got that from the Martian. But, uh, but in, in truth, it's a little biosphere that the Chinese, they're trying to see if, if you just provide water and heat, if that will sustain and reproduce and become a little living colony on the moon. We're at that stage now of not just seeing if we can get there, but starting to colonize another planet. That's what interests me. The stuff that's happening and coming up and being invented. I'm very pleased with the, the stuff I've had a chance to do, yeah. but I don't spend much time missing things. I think there's too much cool stuff going on to just reminisce. And when you were on the International Space Station, you played guitar. I did. You obviously did this amazing cover of Bowie's Space Oddity, the first music video ever shot in space. I imagine you had to get some special clearance from NASA on that? We didn't ask, actually. Nope. Uh, Sometimes forgiveness (laughs) is the better course. Well, I mean, it was actually my son sent me a note saying, hey, Dad, you should recover Oddity. It'd be really cool. I'm like, Oddity? The astronaut dies in Oddity. (laughs) That is not a good song to sing up here, son. So my son said, I'll rewrite the words so the astronaut lives. Will you do it? So I did it. And then my son said, Dad, you got to make a video. You're in space, you know? And I said, "Uh, I'm busy up here, you know? (laughs) I'm not 
But he said, if you don't do it, you'll regret it forever. So one Saturday for an hour, I floated around uh, singing along with the, uh, myself, you know, the audio recording of myself. And then my son and his buddy put that video together. And yeah, it came out really nice. And, and Bowie loved it, which was the best part. Yeah, absolutely. Is it very, I mean, you're playing guitar. It must be very difficult to play guitar in space. It's weird because uh, guitars are designed to have gravity to hold it in place. Either you sit down and that curve on the bottom of the guitar goes on your knee or the guitar is hanging on a strap. Gravity holds your guitar there. If you want to know what it's like to play guitar and sing on a spaceship, here's what I recommend you do. Put your guitar down next to the wall, stand on your head, stay on your head for two or three hours. No, really. So the fluid can shift to your head and fill up your sinuses and, and your, make your tongue all swollen, just like it feels in space. And then while you're upside down, standing on your head, then pick up the guitar with no strap and play. That's, that's what it feels. It's that weird and different, and you have to kind of relearn how to both sing and play up there. So it must be very nice to play on ground. It, it is nice to be back, yeah, yeah with, the, with the blood draining out of my head. <laughs> with the it's blood draining thing. out of your head. So you're part of a new series on uh, National Geographic called One Strange Rock, directed by Darren Aronofsky and hosted by Will Smith. Yeah. This showcases perspectives about Earth from people like you. Can you tell us more about it? Darren Aronofsky is such an interesting artist. The way he sees things is different than most. And, and he put in the sort of overall guidance of how they should film it. And then um, Will Smith is just a lot of fun, of course. He's like plays the everyman and asking all the, the standard questions. I mean, when I was born, there was no such thing as an astronaut. Uh, no one had ever flown in space. It's still a brand new thing. And so therefore, seeing the world that way is new. And so for us to talk about what it actually looks like, an unfiltered, um, long-term view of the world, and talking through the scientific issues that make the world run, of how everything's interconnected, but showing it in a really compelling visual manner, I'm, I'm, it's just beautiful to watch, and it's coming out uh, this year. All right, Chris Hadfield, we know that you've had to answer some of the same questions about space quite often, so we thought we'd try to cover as many of them as we can in a space FAQ lightning round. Okay. So I'm going to put uh, 60 seconds on the clock, so try to keep your answers as short as possible, like just a few words, and here you go. Here's some quick-fire lightning round questions about space. Okay. Favorite space food? Uh, shrimp cocktail. Interesting. What's the first thing you ate when you got back to Earth? Pizza. When you were in space, what Earth activity did you miss the most? <laughs> All right. All right. Good. Uh, what other one? Volleyball. Okay. <laughs> what does the International Space Station smell like? A hospital. In your opinion, Pluto, planet or not a planet? Planet. Good. Most realistic space movie? Apollo 13. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. And finally, are there aliens? Probably, because there's an unlimited number of planets. But we haven't found evidence yet, so we don't know. We're looking. That, that's why we're exploring. We want to answer that question. Sounds like you had to say that because it's classified. So what no, do the I'm aliens Canadian. look like? I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Okay, probably. Chris, many of us remember your cover of David Bowie's Space Oddity, but you also write original songs, and we are going to hear one of them now with accompaniment from Jonathan Colton. Uh, this song is actually has a lot of personal meaning to you. It does. Uh, it's an amazing place to write music when you're uh, on board the spaceship with the world out the window. Uh, you're busy as can be, but late at night when I was supposed to go to sleep, there's a guitar permanently up there. And uh, one day, just before I went to sleep, I played this little lick. And then I, I went to sleep, and I woke up the next morning, and I remembered it. By the end of the day, I'd completed this experiment, and, and I'd uh, finished this song called uh, Daughter of My Sins. And um, I recorded it that night. I stuck the iPad up on the wall of my quarters, trying to be quiet so I wouldn't wake up the other guys. But it's sort of a thoughtful look at, uh, at how you get to where you are in life, some of the things that have happened, and um, the future that it holds for us all. Daughter of My Sins. You ready, sir? Yes, sir. I'm on this road Chasing tomorrow I don't know where today has been 
And I've been told that all my sorrows are just the doctor of my sins. I surely hope that you can find me there when I reach my journey's end. We'll talk of love and ties that bind me, and then I'll end up here again. Now I don't know if speed can help me, but I'm going fast as a man can. The sun goes down, darkness surrounds me, her shadow lies upon this land. I surely hope that you can find me there when I reach my journey's end. We'll talk of love and ties that bind me, and then I'll end up here again, you sir. My thoughts have followed through until the end I'm turning back again On this road, chasing tomorrow Lord, tell me where today has been And I've been told that all my sorrows Are just the doctor of my sins they're just the daughter of my sins They're just the daughter of my sins Nice lead. Nice pretty. Thank you. Chris Hadfield will be back to play his Ask Me Another Challenge later in the show. Chris Hadfield, everybody. <laughs> People used to go to the theater to see opera. Now huge crowds pay money to watch live podcast tapings. <laughs> Our next two contestants will play a game called Podcast or Fraudcast. Let's meet them. First up, Katie Fox on buzzer number one. You're a biology lecturer at the University of Maryland. Welcome. Thank you. Katie, in grad school, you competed in a three-minute thesis talk competition. I did. Uh, and so, what, first of all, what was the point of this competition? Did you get a grade based on it or anything? No, the competition was for fun, although my advisor did strongly advise me to compete in it. Okay, and what did you speak on? Uh, I talked about my thesis, which focused on uh, how cells communicate with one another in the developing zebrafish. The developing zebrafish? <laughs> Glad to know that's real. Um, and how did you do? Uh, I did pretty well. I was a semi-finalist, and a friend of mine won, so good for her. No, we're only talking about you, Katie. Good for you. Good for you. That's very cool. Your opponent is Kevin Combs on buzzer number two. You work for the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. Welcome. Thank you, Ophir. That was the reaction I expected. <laughs> Kevin, you work with data trying to figure out how to improve the D.C. Metro. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, my favorite way to describe my job is I am a professional transit nerd. I sit at a computer all day with a database <laughs> open. I just have this ocean of data sitting in front of me, and my job is to look at that data and say, how can we turn this into actionable intelligence? Okay, and what have you come up with? <laughs> I do a lot of work trying to figure out how many people are on station platforms or are on different trains. You know, where are we crowded? Where are we not so crowded? What can we do about it? Well, we uh, put together a plan for a station improvement, and maybe, uh, you know, about a decade later, we might be able to do something <laughs> about okay, it. Good. Realistic. 
Okay, remember, Katie and Kevin, the first of you who wins two games will move on to our final round. Let's go to your first game. Your game is about real or fake podcasts, otherwise known as real or future podcasts. Jonathan and I will describe a podcast, and you tell us, is it something we made up, or is it a real established podcast? We'll go back and forth, so no need to ring in, and here we go. Katie, step by step, two hosts argue that every song ever written by Creed frontman Scott Stapp was influenced by an episode of the 90s sitcom Step by Step. Uh, well, it sounds like it would be a great podcast, but I have to say fake. That is real. Oh. That is real. Uh, in a recent episode, the host performed an original musical about the formation of Creed called Creed the Band the Musical. <laughs> Remember when a fleeting thought wasn't a podcast? Yeah. Kevin, infinite jesters. Follow the journey of two men who spend years attempting to read David Foster Wallace's encyclopedic novel, Infinite Jest. Real or fake? Real. No, that's fake. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good idea, though. Katie, the pen addict. Friends talk about pens and writing accessories on this weekly podcast that's been running for more than five years. Real or fake? Oh, I don't know. Um, real. It is real. Oh, it is real. The fact that it's not called Pen Pals is an issue for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin, this week in Parasitism, which is a podcast about eukaryotic parasites. Real or fake? Fake. I'm sorry, that's real. <laughs> People love parasites. There's a lot of parasite news that happens every it's, week. It's infectious. Yeah. <laughs> I would listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Katie, this one's called There's a Nap for that. It reviews a different type of nap each episode, from power naps to cat naps to coffee naps to wet naps. Real or fake? Fake. That is totally fake. Yeah, that is fake. That is fake. Kevin, Sleep Whispers. This is a podcast of, quote, Whispered ramblings to help you relax and fall asleep. Real or fake? Well, if it's real, I would listen to that, so I'm going to say real. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> hey, I got one. These are your last clues. Katie, ask a clean person. An expert offers tips on how to clean things like blood and pit stains and offers opinions like this one. Swiffer sheets are glorified paper towels. Real or fake? Real. Totally real. Absolutely real. The podcast has given the dubious honor of worst stain in the world to turmeric stains. Kevin, the sound and the fury. Panelists play clips of sounds that they can't stand to hear. <laughs> like nails on a chalkboard or squeaking styrofoam. Is that real or fake? I'm going to go with fake. Yeah, you're right. That's fake. <laughs> Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? Nice job, Katie. You're one step closer to our final round. Are you collecting petition signatures to become a contestant on Ask Me Another? Well, that's not how it works. Drop that clipboard and go to amatickets.org, and we'll send you a link to our contestant quiz. Coming up, astronaut Chris Hadfield plays a game about winter sports, and it turns out the only thing more terrifying than space travel is doubles luge. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Passport, the podcast by Frequency Machine that helps you understand the world one place at a time. Every Tuesday, Passport transports you somewhere new and tells you a true story that could only happen there. Right now on Passport, listen to the conspiracy series, The Van Gogh Black Market in Amsterdam, Espionage in London, The Real X-Files in Peru, and Money Laundering in Dubai. Listen to Passport on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. 
family is complicated, crime is organized. The all-new Fargo takes you to 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates have struck an uneasy truce as they both fight for their piece of the American dream. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman star in this original tale of immigration, assimilation, and power. The fourth installment of Fargo premieres with back-to-back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Katie and Kevin. In our next game, we'll put the um in museum. But first, let's check in with our contestants. Katie, if you could take something from the Smithsonian Museum, an object, what would you take? I volunteer at the Natural History Museum, and I know exactly what I would take. In the room where I work, uh, we have a polar bear skull, and I would definitely take that. Oh, yeah, that's a nice thing to have on the uh, kitchen table. You know, your fireplace mantle. (laughs) Do you have a plan, or...? (laughs) Well, it is rather large, so it would probably be kind of difficult to sneak out with. Yeah, but you're working on it. Good. Kevin, if you could take an object from the Smithsonian Museum, what would you take? Whenever I go to the American History Museum, I spend a lot of time looking at old computers, so I think I would take the first Macintosh. Interesting. I feel like you can just buy that. (laughs) Um, But maybe not. Maybe it's rare. It's the thrill of the heist. (laughs) Right. You want to to just do the whole thing. Okay. We're here in Washington, D.C., home of many Smithsonian museums. So your next game is a music parody called Smithsonian. (laughs) Katie, you won the last game, so you win this, and you are in the final round. Kevin, you need to win this, or you're going to get a hard sell on becoming a sustaining member of the Hirschhorn (laughs) Museum. (laughs) We rewrote songs performed by artists with Smith in their name to be about things that are part of the Smithsonian collection. So ring in to name the thing that I am singing about, and if you're right, you can earn a bonus point by identifying the artist that I am parodying. All right, you ready? Yep. Okay. They didn't charge a fare. The plane weighed more than air. Kitty Hawk, that was the where. Get in and say a prayer. Kevin. Would that be the Wright Brothers plane? That's right, the Wright Flyer. <laughs> For a bonus point, can you name the artist? Sam Smith. Yeah, you got it. Who knew air travel would get so much worse? <laughs> I don't think it was so great in their day. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because the night belongs to Muppets. Because it's hard to be so green. Because the night belongs to Muppets. He is a felt amphibian. Kevin. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog is correct. And can you name the artist for a bonus point? I'm just going to guess the Smiths. It's a good guess, but that is incorrect. That was Patti Smith, Because the Night. Here we go. She said something none of them could hear. Now they'll think he's a fop. Jerry's booked on the Today Show And now he has to wear that white ruffled top That white ruffled top Kevin The puffy shirt from Seinfeld That's right, the puffy shirt, well done For a bonus point, can you name that artist? Uh, The Smiths (laughs) It's another great guess, (laughs) but it was the smithereens. (laughs) Click with me, click your red heels. Three times says Glenda, see how it feels. Just click them to no longer roam. Time to leave ours now, so just say there's no place like home. Katie. Uh, Dorothy's ruby red slippers. Yeah, that's right. Can you name the artist for a bonus point? I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) You don't want to say the Smiths? Uh, Sure, the Smiths. No, I'm sorry, it's Aerosmith. (laughs) Dream on. 
won't shut my mouth, heard what I said, get out of my seat, you meathead, I am human and I need to sit down, just like every other jerk does. Katie. The counter from the sit-ins at the, the, the lunch counter sit-in. Sorry, that is incorrect. Kevin, do you know what I'm talking about? Would that be uh, Homo erectus? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, right. I, I was singing about uh, Archie Bunker's chair. <laughs> I was never going to get that. But here's the stinger. Here's the stinger nobody gets uh, to guess the bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> but guess who it is? The Smiths. The Smiths. <laughs> Uh, this is your last clue. Made of the plushest felt Stuffed or signed companion Named after Roosevelt Couldn't shoot the real one Katie. Uh, teddy bear. Teddy bear, that's right. For a bonus point, can you name the artist? No. Mm. <laughs> What we're looking for is Will Smith. That's the hook from the Men in Black theme. Some of his finest work. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Kevin. You won that game. So you each won a game, so it's time for a quick game three. I'm going to give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things in that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Eight states border Tennessee. Name them. Katie, you're up. Kentucky. That is correct. <laughs> Kevin. Ohio. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> the other answers were Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, and a nearby state of Virginia. Kevin, I'm sorry to see you go. Katie, you're headed to the final round. While Heather and Katie prepare for the final round, it's time for our special guest to take on his Ask Me Another Challenge. Let's bring back astronaut Chris Hadfield. Hello. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Uh, excellent. Thank you very much. Very good. So, Chris, before you were an astronaut, you were a downhill ski instructor. That's true. Uh, you had to give it up for a while while you were being an astronaut because NASA didn't want you to break a bone. And the nearest hill to Houston is 850 miles away. So, <laughs> right, makes it difficult. Yeah, it's a flat place. But yeah, actually, uh, when you're training for a space flight, there's a whole long list of stuff that they do not let you do, and, uh, and downhill ski racing is one of them. Yeah. Are you back to skiing now? I am. I ski pretty regularly. Yeah, I used to downhill race, and I love it. I love the control of speed and three dimensions and all of those things. I think the racing I did as a kid helped me become a fighter pilot, a test pilot, and an astronaut, and I'm loving being able to go back and ski now that I'm no longer flying in space. Yeah, and the bones are back. The the, your skeleton <laughs> healed. My skeleton healed, yeah. I'm dense. You're dense. So we have a quiz for you about winter sports science. Oh. And if you do well enough, Christy Little from Nova Scotia, Canada, is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. All right, Christy, I'm here for you. <laughs> so here's your first question. It's about your specialty, downhill skiing. True or false, Olympic alpine skiers can experience more Gs of force than astronauts during a shuttle launch. True. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah well done. You feel confident? Okay. Uh, so far, so good. One for one. Yeah, Olympic skiers experience 3.5 Gs while they're making sharp turns. Shuttle launches go up to 3 Gs. Maximum three up and down. That's it. Yep. But so Soyuz is higher. Uh, Soyuz, in a bad case, can go to 22 G, which is not a good day. One crew had to survive that on their way back. But, uh, but yeah, the shuttle was pretty gentle because it had wings. About 3 G maximum. Yep. But for a more sustained time than obviously a skier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it lasts several minutes. And, and it's like uh, three people lying on top of you. So it, after a while, it just gets hard to push your chest forward and breathe. But, uh, but it's worth the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. 
Up until the 1980s, ski jumpers held their skis parallel while they were in the air. Now ski jumpers hold their skis in a different shape. What is the shape and do you know why? Uh, well, they, they spread them out to the side like a great big V and it's because you get better aerodynamics, you get more lift and, and you can make your body the shape of an airfoil so you can go way further. Yeah, we didn't have all of that there. <laughs> um, but I, I know that's correct. In ice hockey, and as a Canadian, I will ask this properly. In hockey, when <laughs> performing a slap shot, where do you aim your stick to strike first? The puck or the ice? The ice. Right. You went for the right answer. Do you know why? Uh, so that you hit the puck. <laughs> I would, I would accept that, yeah. Uh, yeah, hitting the ice first causes the hockey stick to flex and store potential energy, which causes a slingshot-like effect. And when the energy is released, it causes the puck to fly further and faster. Go Leafs. <laughs> yeah, Leaf fan? Uh, yeah. Well, you know what I have to say to that. Flames, flames, flames. <laughs> How is the ice used in Olympic curling prepared differently than the ice for skating? It's dimpled. It, it has like a uh, sort of a pebbly surface as opposed to dead smooth like it would for people on skates. That is exactly correct, yes. If you did not know, water sprayed on top, which freezes these pebbles uh, and allows the curling stones to glide more easily over them. Have you ever curled? I have curled. I'm Canadian. You're yes, Canadian, yes. I have yes. curled. Uh, and you enjoy it? I do. Uh, yeah, it's fun. You can have a beer while you're competing. Yeah, I was going to say, do you yeah, do it sober? Like, yes. It's one of those rare Olympic sports that you can do while drinking a beer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a great sport. There are so many ways to achieve <laughs> Olympic gold. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris Hadfield. You, of course, did amazing. And you and listener Christy Little each won and Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Very Christy. All right. Thanks so much for playing with us. Give it up one more time for Chris Hadfield. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists, Heather Hurley, who has her dream job working at the Library of Congress, and Katie Fox, who wants to smuggle a polar bear skull from the Smithsonian. <laughs> Puzzleger Archung, take it away. Heather and Katie, your final round is called Our Nation's Capital. Every answer contains the word nation. For example, if I said, it's the format of the NCAA March Madness Tournament, you'd answer, single elimination. Our big winner will receive a guitar pick that Chris Hadfield used in space. And you know what? I'll throw in free admission to the Hirshhorn Museum as well. <laughs> we rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Heather is going first. Heather, full name of the diner chain known by the acronym IHOP. International House of Pancakes. That is correct. Katie, according to WebMD, if you see, hear, smell, or taste something that isn't there, you're experiencing one of these. I don't know. Um, Three seconds. An ischemic stroke. That doesn't have a nation in it. <laughs> Not so serious. We were looking for a hallucination. Heather. During a courtroom trial, this is when an attorney asks questions to a witness called by opposing counsel. Cross-examination? That is correct. Katie, Nestle brand of evaporated milk. Carnation. Correct. Heather, school lockers and escape rooms often feature this security device opened by dialing in a series of numbers. Combination lock. That is correct. Katie, Bees help flowers reproduce by transferring genetic material in a process known as this. Pollination. That is correct. Heather, diseases like polio or smallpox were eradicated or greatly reduced thanks to this, the administration of a substance orally or via injection to protect against a disease. Vaccination. That is correct. Katie, it's the film where Nicolas Cage declares, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> oh, um... Oh, I know it. <laughs> Inter uh, national treasure. That's correct. At the halfway point, the score is Heather 4, Katie 3. Heather, this Janet Jackson hit from 1989 peaked at number 2 on the Billboard Hot 100. Any guess? 
Not even a good one. <laughs> We're looking for Rhythm Nation. Katie, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka sings this song before any children are maimed in his chocolate factory tour. Um, something, something imagination. I can't remember yep. the rest of it. <laughs> no, can you guess? No. Uh, only in your imagination. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's close. We're looking for a pure imagination. Heather, horror film franchise in which beautiful young people survive an accident only to die later in overly complicated ways. Three seconds. Something, something damnation? <laughs> no, we're looking for final destination. Katie, this is the subtitle of the fifth Mission Impossible film. Just go through the list of Mission uh, Impossible. Rogue Nation. Whoa, yeah, well done. Heather, this British soap opera debuted in 1960 and follows the lives of working class characters in the fictional town of Weatherfield. Coronation Street? That is correct. Katie, this White Stripes song is often spontaneously sung by crowds at sporting events. I don't know. Um, oh, oh, uh, Seven Army Nation? Ooh, I'm going to give you a chance to correct that. Um, Seven Nation Army. That is correct. Okay. We're in the last question for each of you, and the score is tied. Heather, Leslie Odom Jr., Brad Paisley, and Tori Kelly have all appeared in TV ads singing the jingle for this company. Three seconds. The Nation. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We're looking for Nationwide, which is on your side. <laughs> Not in this case, ironically. No. <laughs> so, Katie, this is the last question. If you get this correct, you win. This London-based NGO stated mission is to defend human rights across the world. Um, is it the International Rescue Committee? No, I'm sorry. We're looking for Amnesty International. So we have a tie, and here's your tiebreaker. Hands on your buzzers. Humor magazine that ceased publication in 1998 whose name is attached to the movies Animal House, Vacation, and Van Wilder. Heather. National Lampoon. That's correct. Well done. Congratulations, Heather. You are our big winner. That's our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Val Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Eric Feinstein, Ashlyn Hatch, and senior writer Karen Lurie. Ask Me Another's produced by Mike Katzev, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Camilla Franklin, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. We'd like to thank the Warner Theater. Rare Newtator. W-A-M-U. Muau. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Haripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, if you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us, and it helps other people find us, too. So for information on new episodes, upcoming live shows, and extra games, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And who knows, maybe you could win a Rubik's Cube. Thanks. Next time on Ask Me Another, we're joined by actor Lola Kirk from the series Mozart in the Jungle. Then we took songs with the word party in the title and rewrote them to be about parties or celebration. But here's the twist. The losing contestant will be forced to wear a lampshade on their head for the remainder of the evening. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. <laughs>